0: Welcome to the Rev Engine Podcast, where we help B2B CEOs and revenue leaders get clarity on how to align sales and marketing, build a high performing revenue engine, and accelerate revenue growth for their organizations. I'm your host, Jeff Davis, author of award winning book Create Togetherness and founder of Rev Engine. Let's jump into the show. Hey everybody, it's Jeff Davis with another episode of the Rev Engine podcast, where we help B2B CEOs and revenue leaders align sales and marketing, transform the revenue engine and accelerate revenue growth. Today, I'm extremely excited to bring in our guest, Andrew Gullifson. He is a CMO within the trucking logistics industry, but also has significant experience in sales and biz dev. So I'm excited to dive into this conversation to really understand how he's looking at digital transformation in the industry, aligning sales and marketing and all of those things that we're doing to provide a heightened customer experience for the demands of the modern buyer. And with that said, Andrew, tell us a little bit about your professional journey and how you got here.
1: My name is Andrew Gullison, uh, currently the leader of marketing and customer success at HubTech. We are a workforce optimization solution and platform focused on specifically nearshore staffing based down in Latin America. We provide process automation for those sort of menial tasks that uh, just sort of take up a lot of time, but then also do a lot of work regarding training and strategy for not only sales operations and then just uh, leadership within the transportation industry. Kind of s- swinging backwards to, you know, I've been in the industry probably for about 26 years. Again, aging myself in this one. Uh, you started out on the, the international freight forwarding. So worked with some both small and, and extremely large companies, uh, worked for about 10 years in, in that zone and then began to move toward more the, the trucking and logistics side of the business and spent uh, seven years at uh, uh, in Southern Illinois with a, an organization that really kind of uh, cut my teeth in the, on the logistics side of things, uh, both from an operations, marketing, and administrative side, so HR and, and uh, recruiting on that. And then uh, kind of had a little journey into consultative sales uh, for a consulting and strategy firm, association work, uh, and then s- the safety side of things. So I feel like I've really touched a lot of different aspects aspects of this uh, industry to get to where I am right
0: now. Yeah, I love that. I think what, you know, I particularly interested in your journey is being on the sales and biz dev side and now being a marketing leader. And one of the things I really try to do on this show is bring marketing and sales leaders that have had experience in, in both sides of the fence, because I think they, and of course, you know, the other sales marketing leaders, you know, are good at what they do, but I think it brings a unique POV and a unique perspective to help us have this conversation. So before we kind of get into that, you know, alignment conversation, I am interested in, what are you seeing and some of the most, I'd say, pressing challenges when it comes to alignment, when it comes to driving revenue growth in the trucking logistics industry? Let's start there. Of Like, what is top of mind for you, especially as a marketing leader?
1: Sure. No problem. I mean, you know, talking at the industry as, as a whole, you know, sales has always been the driver of everything, um, mm-hmm. you know, the revenue development and, and historically marketing was, you know, secondary, even tertiary to that. And I think what leaders within transportation truly recognize the need for not only marketing, but a true alignment to that. And, and you know, just to not, not to toot your horn a little bit, but actually yesterday when I was at a conference, one of the, the key points was that alignment. So mentioned and referenced uh, you and, and togetherness and the, the book of how to get to that point, to really design KPIs, to design OKRs that really bring both sides to the table because ultimately we're trying to drive revenue and how do we utilize the resources, the tools and the brilliance of the marketers to get that moving forward.
0: Would you say most CEOs across the industry have recognized the need uh, to have a a deeper conversation or is it still a challenge for revenue leaders to get the CEO to like take it seriously and prioritize it?
1: I think, you know, there's the kind of, cognitive understanding of it, but a lot of it comes down to kind of the budgetary requirements of that. Mm-hmm. What is truly needed to do that, whether it's from the, the tech stack that's necessary from, you know, marketing and sales connectivity to be able to have the full visibility of attribution and moving, moving forward. I think some of that still, there's some challenges that are associated with that. To be able to truly understand how marketing is impacting and how marketing and, and to at least attempt to define what that ROI can be as you move forward.
0: Yeah. Do you see the importance of brand being top of mind in the industry? I know I've talked, have had this conversation with several. Different marketing and sales leaders, uh, as well as CEOs of the importance of brand building, because historically, uh, and it depends on the industry, mm-hmm. you know, we look at brand as this nice to have, and that's what we do to make people happy and and make marketing happy sometimes. But, you know, in B2B, it has, especially in our competitive industry, has become more important to differentiate your, the, the organization uh, and open a lot of doors for sales folks. Uh, so I was curious kind of what you've seen.
1: Yeah. So I think, you know, looking at two sides, so from, you know, the kind of the, the customer side, you know, to really kind of help that journey and understand how the brand aligns with that journey, um, both okay. from a, uh, you know, connection standpoint and and it's sort of a, a trust standpoint. But I think where brand really, and in the transportation industry, as we really sort of struggle in the labor market, brand becomes really important To how we recruit and to be able to bring in that talent for them to understand who the organization is, what that purpose is, what that mission is for whether it's young people or even people as they're many steps along in in their career journey. How do you really recruit and, and retain people? And the brand becomes a huge part of that.
0: So the next conversation for someone in your shoes is, you know, the importance of building brand is. I mean, goes beyond the customer even into like how we source talent, and we know for most industries, sourcing, you know, top talent is really a challenge.
1: Absolutely, I mean, right now as as we sort of build the strategy for this this coming year, you know, my two priorities we've we've kind of in some ways gotten off of off track. Really, the two things is. To drive revenue and to drive recruitment, you know, to drive the number of applications that come in to what we do, since not only do we recruit for HubTech specifically, we are recruiting for these folks and this talent to source to our customers. So it becomes a key for us to have the right brand to drive that.
0: Nice. And so you're part of the marketing leader group that actually jumped a chasm, I say, or or, or jumped silos. <laughs> you spent some time in sales, biz dev, which I love. Again, as I said earlier, I think this is, this is why I'm really looking for your insight. And now we're on the marketing side of the house. What experiences, skill set did you acquire during your time in sales, biz dev, that you think contribute to you? Really showing up and being effective as a marketing
1: leader. Excellent. So I think just showing up as a leader is just because I've got a big mouth, uh, in regards to, you know, from the sales side and and some of the organizations that I was with, you realize that there wasn't an alignment between marketing and sales. And so it was to grab a hold of what can we do? And sometimes it was, you know, kind of our own sort of guerrilla marketing within the sales team to try to assist what we were trying to do. And so in bringing that up, that kind of, pushed me in this direction to say, hey, instead of battling against, let's bring it all together. And so, uh, you know, I think really kind of the recognition of what salespeople both on the ground from a BDR standpoint, as well as account executives that are out meeting with the customers truly, or to try to understand, I think there's really an understanding, even if you've done it, because it changes so rapidly is to to have those conversations regularly with that sales team to understand what are the challenges that they're facing, what are those obstacles that they're facing in their communication with prospects to help them sort of push over the edge and and I think you know from whether it be video support, demo, just uh you know infographics, a lot of it to really support of not only you know features and benefits but how we're solving what that solution looks like real time um, to be able to present that. Do
0: you feel as someone that came from the sales biz dev side of the business that you have more credibility with sales leaders? Do you feel like you commu- you communicate with them in a different way than a classically trained marketing leader or a marketing leader that's come up in the ranks only in marketing?
1: I think that it allows to open the door, but I think s- still there there always becomes, I don't know the challenge is the right word, but that's a credibility that needs to be earned regularly. Um, yeah. you know, as I said, it, it opens the door because I've done that. So they recognize, but each day they're, they're still in the trenches and, mm-hmm. um, and it's new people coming through. So it's, you have to, again, speak the language to talk about that. Hey, I've done that. And, and so part of that is working with them to train, to talk, you know, to, to the, those frontline people to talk about how they're communicating and to give them the feedback on a fairly regular basis of, yep. of what's going on. And so that helps as well, as opposed to it more of like, hey, I've done this and it's a badge that I wear is yep. what am I actively doing to help you and support?
0: So if you have a sales leader that says, OK, I recognize that, you know, this me talking to marketing and working with them differently is a thing I'm on board. Mm-hmm. But if they've only been in sales, sales leadership their entire career and are really, I, th- I think there's two parts of this is how to start that conversation with the marketing leader. And then secondly, what to ask for and how to hold them accountable. And what I mean by that is, you know, probably ruffle a little feathers here. I don't think it's enough to tell a sales leader, go talk to your marketing colleague and and work it out and be aligned. I think we also need to empower them with what are the things you should be expecting? Mm -hmm. What are the questions you should be asking that your marketing leader should be able to provide to you or at least give you some insights into so that you feel confident that like this is worth your your time and your people's time. What are some of those things uh, from your POV?
1: First and foremost, money becomes a big part of this. So, at, from a incentive plan and from a, is is to really tie a lot of those revenue KPIs to align those with on the marketing side. Um, mm-hmm. Because again, we can smile and nod all we want. Oh, I understand what you want. But when it comes to you know where the where the rubber meets the road if we're not hitting those particular sort of sales and revenue numbers, then that should be felt across. Um, and so it yeah. becomes, you know, really sort of tied in regards. I don't know that, that, that everyone should be, you know, completely aligned in that regard, but there should be some pain and joy that's felt between both parties uh, moving forward. And so, uh, you know, on those expectations is, you know, the sales leader, it has these expectations of we've got to hit these particular revenue numbers and I can get all the likes, impressions, MQLs that I want from a marketing side. But if it doesn't lead to the growth and the revenue goals that we're expecting, it's it's a nice to have. It's not a must have. Uh, No, I think that's completely valid.
0: Um, I think one of the other things that I kind of see as well is many organizations, not all, are still stuck in this kind of volume of leads mindset. And and sales leaders, in all fairness, right, like that is kind of how they look at, you know, there's a the conversion rate that they're expecting. How do you get a sales leader to change their mindset from quantity to quality, which many times represents a drop And the volume of leads, which, you know, for some people is very terrifying. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So how do you give that confidence that we're going to take a different approach and focus on quality?
1: Well, I think, I think part of that is to, is to really, you know, if you've, if you've got the tools necessary to kind of see what that conversion is. And so it's really, how do we improve that conversion rate? And again, the attribution side of that is that are we converting because sales is better? Or is it because the leads are better? And that's, that's really something to, to do that, to be aware of what those conversations are. But if we can get, continue to get that conversion rate higher, then the number of leads that's required goes down. Again, if yeah. we can maintain that, that level of, of quantity of leads and, and qualified leads that come through, that just means that the number of sales overall will be better. So again, looking at that, what is our conversion rate? How are we moving forward? I always sort of start at the, the sale move backwards in terms of the developing where, what we need to do from a marketing side to really support
0: that. Yeah, I think it's super smart and I don't hear enough conversation about it. It's like when you look at the traditional kind of revenue funnel, right? It's starting at what revenue target are we trying to hit Mm -hmm. and then backing into what does that mean for MQLs or whatever metrics you you use and kind of approximating or looking at your CRM to see what, what are these real conversion rates, like not making up numbers. Because if marketing is creating goals and metrics in a silo, and there's not an interdependency between sales. Then to your earlier point, why am I incentivized in in order to really like provide you what you need? Because if our goals are linked, that means if I don't show up the way I'm supposed to, it's going to affect you and vice versa, right? And so as a marketing leader, I can call you out, like, look, we're hitting what we agreed to. You either guys are dropping the ball, your your conversions weight conversion rates suck, like your salespeople aren't following up, whatever. But you can't have that if your goals are not connected in any way and interdependent on
1: each other. Correct. No, it's, it's one where, yeah, we've got to, like I said, work together, feel that pain. But then again, feel comfortable having those conversations where we can early on Identify that and be able to make whatever changes are necessary. So, if it has to be with, yep. hey, the, the quality of the leads are not there. What can we do? How do we continue to nurture? How do we continue to measure and, and score what's coming to them and make an adjustment to that scoring process? Or do we need to continue to help train the salespeople mm-hmm. to, you know, from their standpoint to to nurture and move that towards the finish line and, and close accordingly. No, I think, that, I think that's spot
0: on. As a novice to the industry, uh, you know, of course, I did a little research before I got you on here because I didn't want to sound completely like I didn't know what was going on. But I did want to talk about one thing that I think is interesting because I feel like every industry kind of has some sort of transformation going on. I, mean, I think people, different industries are in different stages of kind of this digital acceleration, digital transformation, whatnot. But uh, I was doing, doing some research about the Amazon effect, which pretty much just You know what it is by the fact that I said it. So it's this push to have, you know, faster, cheaper delivery, obviously, because now Amazon seemingly delivers to your house five minutes after you hit send or hit buy. Mm -hmm. Which, funny story, and I won't belabor this, but I I think the first time I saw, it might have been six months ago, maybe longer. But it was like, it will be there in like five hours or something insane. Mm -hmm. Uh, And for those that don't know, I live in Chicago. uh, So it may be dependent on like, your you know, where you are geographically. And I looked at it and I go, this is the strangest thing I've ever seen. And it was unsettling for a minute because I was like, how are you getting to my house this soon? Mm -hmm. Like two day was cool, even like a a day, but I was like hours. Uh, So anyway, I say all that to say the Amazon effect is very real, I think on both sides of the house. So how are you as a marketing leader looking at how you can contribute to, I mean, and I don't want to say competing with Amazon, but really making sure that you're meeting, I think the kind of. Heightened expectation of customers is probably a better way to say it.
1: First of all, it's there, and so visibility becomes a key component. Uh, we were we were talking about this yesterday, where the two main questions are: "Where's my stuff?" and "When am I going to get it?" Yeah. Um, you know, regardless of whether that's B two B or B two C or, or any of that, and so you know, technology becomes a key component on that to recognize where that piece of freight or that. Freight is within the supply chain, and what is that realistic timeframe? Um, mm-hmm. so much of what we do, again, is is involved with with trucks and driving. And for those of you and and leaving Chicago last night, um, I recognize that hey, you know, what should have been a, a five hour drive ended up being a six and a half hour drive because of that. And so there are yeah. factors inv- involved with that. But really, I guess that's sort of next step is. If I don't know where it is and I don't know when it's going to get there, what are you going to do if it's not? And it's that, you know, how Mm -hmm. do you, how do you follow up? And so really I think from a, from a marketing standpoint is what are the true capabilities that we can offer as an organization? So do we have the technology to provide the visibility to you? Yes. Do we have the freight network and the capacity network to be able to commit to that delivery time? Uh, And then Mm -hmm. third, if that doesn't happen, how are we as an organization going to make that right. How are we going to fix that problem, fix that particular solution? So a lot of this is built on relationship side of things. And so looking from a a customer perspective, how, where is that trust level to be able to say, I'm going to provide you the service that you've expected uh, on something like that. And there's the speed at which Amazon does it, which I don't think that there's necessarily, you know, an expectation that, you know, a a full truckload is going to be there in five hours. But I, I hope yeah, not. Yeah. I mean, as again, it, the the ultimate goal is, you know, how do you position to be able to do that, to meet those needs? And and so, you know, as as smaller quantities are needed to get to places and things like that is is adjusting overall networks that can do that. And so I think, you know, it's that combination of technology that's available from a visibility standpoint, you know, the communication standpoint of what's going on to try to assimilate to what Amazon is doing, uh, because that's mm-hmm. the ex- expectation. And it's, it's been put out there and it, it continues to raise the level of, of the industry to do yeah. that. And sometimes, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it becomes a balance of like how much effort, time to get to that point, but it, that's the direction that's moving. And so everybody has to, to rise to that tide.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Jeff Bezos, the other Jeff. I'm pretty sure people don't think he's the other Jeff, but <laughs> on this show, he's the other Jeff. Absolutely. <laughs> so, but it seems like consistent, you know, in, in your industry that customer experience or CX has become more important than price in actual product, right? Like people are really hedging their bets on, is it easy to do business with you? Do I trust you? Do I feel like you're going to show up and do what you need to do, even if things don't go Right. Do you feel that salespeople have made that mind shift of getting out of features and benefits and trying to negotiate on price to really focusing on a very different sort of, I would say, consultative sale or however you want to serve that up? But it, it is a very different sort of approach. Do you feel like most of the industry has shifted to that way? Or are we still kind of in in flux and trying to? to show up differently.
1: I think overall, and, and again, as you talk to both the, the the shippers side of it and the and the provider side of it, that is the direction everybody wants to go. Um mm-hmm. the unfortunate thing is as the way the market itself turns, so you know, this time last year, you know, rates were at an all time high. And so, so shippers are saying, "Please, let's work together collaboratively to do those kinds of things." You know, help us. Where the providers are like, you know, "Hey, you need this, so I can charge you whatever I want." Then the pendulum swings right now, where there's really not a whole lot of freight, and so. There's a lot of short memories, uh, unfortunately within our industry. And so the providers are now working on, Hey, let's be, cons- you know, consultative and let's set these rates where we need to go. But the shippers are saying, no, I need price right now. And so it yeah. really sort of swings back and forth. And so, you know, the, the true goal is to get to where you can do that. So it's, it's market agnostic in, in how you approach those relationships. And I think more and more people are trying to get to those points so you've got consistency and predictable revenue the shippers have you know predictable costs over you know over periods of time and the only way to get to that point is to have that sort of consultative thing and hey where can we be flexible within this contract or with this within this agreement to be able to manage some of those fluctuations but it becomes less about hey you know, I'm going to find a new provider because this one's five cents a mile cheaper. That still exists. And again, depending on the shipper, depending on the provider, they still work within that much more transactional environment. But the goal and the hope is to get to this more consultative approach.
0: Yeah. You actually made me think about a, a conversation I had at the last TSA event I was at, and, and there was a question from the audience around how do you get... I would say, well, the CEO was the question, but I would also say the sales leaders to look at marketing more as a strategic partner versus sales support. And I felt exactly where that question was coming from. and, and it, But even though I thought I did, I was, I, asked, I asked for more clarity, right? And so it, it kind of came out as kind of what I thought it was. It's like, we want to do social we want to do these more like long-range plans that are going to set up some success, get us higher quality leads, but we're being asked to do very short-term things and not being given permission even to, you know, pilot or try these other things. So I wanted to get your perspective as a marketing leader. Have you faced that challenge, you know, whether it be this organization or not? Mm -hmm. And what advice would you give marketing leaders to get out of that very, very um, siloed sales support uh, function?
1: The siloed sales approach is going to happen. I mean, so that's, that's part of the role of marketing. It's going to be a part of that. But is to really sort of develop what that strategy is of how you want to approach the, the longer-term understandings of brand development, that brand equity, communication internally, externally. Those things have to be a part of it. Why are you putting that in place? What are you positioning for in terms of the growth of the organization and the, yep. the professionalism of the organization as it's going forward? But recognize that there's still going to need to be that sort of reactive – sales support as a function within that. And so, you know, it's it's getting that that leader, CEO, or or in some cases CFO to understand that there is investment necessary into marketing in a broader scope than just, you know, sales little brother.
0: Okay. So then if I'm hearing you correctly, it really is about making sure that any kind of new activities or new strategies proposing from the marketing side. Of tying that directly to growth, revenue, et cetera, versus just saying we want to do this because. No, 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 no.
1: I, 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 sorry. I I wasn't clear on that. Is, is, no, 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 there are, there are parts of it that you're still going to need to do that. But again, to develop this kind of a larger strategy where you need to be able to do some of those things where you can do it for the sake of like I said, building the brand and and trying some of those different things, but that you've sort of put a context around that as opposed to just off the cuff, I want to try this, but it falls within a a sort of that strategy that you've built to allow you to do that. So again, to have the budget, to have the resources and the time to try some of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, And then- you know, like I said, you, you know, it's like we, we have this work we have to do from a sales side, but there's this work that we want to do that we need to do to, to build who we are as an organization. And it's just communicating that early. So it's not something where, where people and, and CEOs or CFOs are like, no, we're not going to fund that because right, we, it wasn't part of our plan.
0: Okay. I see what you're saying.
1: So when you're
0: asking for incremental budget, especially if you're in this kind of sales support role, It is really articulating very clearly how this fits into the entire kind of marketing strategy and what you expect it to contribute to you actually, you know, contributing to revenue, growth, et cetera. What's the expectation? And if that doesn't happen, obviously, then you can shut it down. I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, I'd be curious your thoughts on because depending on what you're trying to do, sometimes there's a there's a longer tail on marketing things that are really going to push the needle many times. How do you convince very short-term focused leaders that this is going to take two or three quarters for us to get the results we want to get. Like, don't come to me next week and say like, how did that whole social, that branded social campaign, like how many leads did we get out of it? And it's only been a week.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I think, I mean, you know, part of it is, do you have the tools and mechanisms in place to be able to measure that? And to set that up As, as we're going into it, we expect this to have a payoff or, you know, results, whatever they may be, you know, three quarters down the road. Okay. That's fine. Then three quarters down the road, show me where this has, has come into place. Um, yeah. and, and that's, that's where the challenge becomes is, is there's a lot of marketing, I guess, within organizations where there isn't the ability to truly measure those things. And then it becomes a, you know, kind of shoulders shrugged we thought it would work. And and it seems as though ultimately, you know, our sales are up. So it had some impact on there. If you can't really measure it, you can't get the justification for it. And again, if you can measure it and you can show that it's improving, then absolutely, you'll be able to continue to do those things going forward because it has true impact in in what you're trying to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's helpful. Yeah. I always thought that was a really interesting question because I felt the pain of that marketing leader of like, you know, there's this, all this other stuff that you need to do and push the industry forward. But, you know, it, it, take, it does take time. And depending on your leadership and how comfortable they are with risk, it just sets the stage for what you're able to do. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I mean, so, again, risk, you know, financial risk or, you know, what is that yeah. going to cost to do that? And, you know, do you build a certain amount of discretionary funding in your, you know, as you're building out your year? To cover those kinds of things. Hey, because we yeah. don't know exactly what new tools will be available, you know, six months right. from now or a year from now that that we may want to take advantage of. I mean, that's why I've always been,
0: and maybe this is the engineer in me, a fan of pilots. Like, I feel like people's guard goes down a little bit when you say like, look, we're going to do this pilot for three months. It doesn't sound like you're committing to anything. Mm-hmm. And, and, and here are the KPIs. We're going to evaluate it after three months. They, they may not lead directly to revenue or leads, but if these things happen, then we want your support and continuing to, to, to roll this out to see where it goes. But if they don't, then we can have a conversation about what we learned because I don't believe in failure. I believe in learning, Absolutely. Uh, which also I think changes the conversation, right? It's like, even if this doesn't go the way we plan and we don't hit our KPIs, what have we learned about, you know, our customer's that we can incorporate into other parts of the business. Absolutely. On that, I was, I, yeah. I, you
1: know, being from Missouri, I call that the Missouri model show me and, you know, whether, <laughs> whether it's a demo for new technology, whether it's, you can tell me and you can give me all kinds of references and testimonials, but how does it truly impact my business? And so those trials are pilots become a great way to do that. Let's, let's give it a shot. Yeah. Let's, let's see what happens. Let's put it into a real environment and see what we can learn from it. And it could be a the learning as this is awesome. Let's go forward with it. Here's, here's the investment that you need to build it out.
0: Yeah. Which is interesting that we didn't talk about the other connection point we have is that I'm originally from St. Louis. So I am a Missourian. <laughs> I think we're called Missourians.
1: I think you're not know, Missourians. Missouri. Missouri. It's Missouri, Missouri it's Missourians. Missourians. Yeah, yeah. If, if you're from, yeah. <laughs> so, from Springfield and
0: things like that. Yeah. 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 So that definitely, I, am a Missouri in depending on what part of the state you're in it could be called Missouri for those that didn't know
1: so uh yeah born and raised St. Louis so uh,
0: I know Missouri very well
1: and then I'll actually be connected with you I'm getting ready to start a a CMO program at Northwestern so I'm Uh going to be popping up uh probably up to your neck of the woods in the Evanston area
0: Nice. So that will be how often do you come up
1: so I mean right now it's 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 Kind of virtual to a degree, and then there will be certain classes that will be live. So I'm hoping okay. that it'll be April and after that I'll be coming up to Chicago as Well, to- <laughs> it's, it's still
0: cold in April, so be careful what you ask for. No, which no, is no, really I understand. Weird. Yeah, it's it's so funny. I remember I, I love talking to people, and they're like, "Oh, I love Chicago." I go, "You mean in the summer?" And they're like, "They're like, how'd you know?" I go, "Because I live there, and it's quite <laughs> terrible." And we wait for the last, you know, the three months that it's warm here. Uh, and you're like, oh, that's why I live here. And then we start complaining again the minute it gets cold. But I remember a summer, uh, I'm sorry, I remember a year, and I know this happened a couple times actually, but I remember one distinctly, I forgot what year it was, where it snowed until late May. Wow. And then literally flipped like within days and it was like 100 degrees. It was the craziest, strangest thing. And I'm just like, why do I live in the city? This is outrageous. Because it's, uh, it's an amazing city. It's
1: an amazing city. Yeah. You would- taking the weather outside.
0: Yeah. I mean, and, and the thing is, is like, and I've lived other places and you know, there's nothing like the summertime in Chicago. Like you have the street festivals and the river walk and, and then you're in the midst of it. And you're like, guess yeah, why? This is why I suffer for majority of the year in this cold tundra to experience this. So anyway, that wasn't part of the, the, the planned conversation, but we had our Chicago connection and our Missouri connection. So last two questions. Yes. To round us out. So I want to talk a little bit about tech, specifically MarTech and what you're seeing across the industry. So obviously every industry is dealing with kind of this technology acceleration uh, that's happening. How is the industry and, and, and I'm going to separate like kind of like the functional tech of just like what you guys are using to deliver service. Mm-hmm how specifically are you as a marketing leader looking at building your tech stack and even more broadly the revenue
1: tech stack so much of it is is visibility and i think you know look i guess we'll we'll talk about it kind of in the larger sense of transportation there are some amazing companies that are you know really utilizing and utilizing well the technology from you know i guess the, the full ac- across the board for operationally you know marketing sales to truly understand what the market's doing and how what they're doing is truly impacting the revenue numbers and, and building it forward. Um, there are some yep. other ones that are, are resistant to it and have, you know, the, they're been able to grow businesses and, and be very successful. In, in a very person to person way, which I think is still a big part of it, but it's having some of that visibility of, of what's going on and, and the ability, I guess, through that visibility to, to make the necessary changes when things start to go awry, mark, whether it be market changes, internal, external changes that are going on. Um, for, you know, how we look at it is to continue to look for tools that will help us have, have that visibility of how leads are coming in, being able to properly score those leads, to be able to properly deliver those leads over to the sales team and understand how that lead, you know, that journey, that customer's journey or that prospect's journey moves through that to make a decision or, you know, positively or negatively with, with our organization. And then yeah. where did they touch and, you know, where did we win them? Where did we lose them? How do we sort of reconnect in that regard? So I think a big part of what we're looking for is to build that out. So it throughout the organization, we can see, how the dollars impacted this, you know, what investment went into, to this trade show to drive this lead to get to this point to, to move forward and, yeah. and do that. So I think that's, that's really what we continue to evaluate is, you know, how to best visualize that to have that clarity for within the organization and to make the necessary changes as we go through. That's what we're looking to develop in, in our tech stack.
0: You said something that sparked another question. So I'm going to cheat and stick, stick another one in there sure. really quick. A lot of people are dealing with organizations that are successful mm-hmm. that are driving revenue and so there's a sense of inertia in changing and transforming the way that they go to market right we know across the board b2b especially there's disruption everywhere mm-hmm. and the customer expectations is very different we talked about the amazon effect sector etc but it can sometimes be hard to get leaders out of inertia if they're seeing dollars roll in but you as a forward thinking leader know what's coming so what if what kind of tips or tricks have you seen be successful in getting leaders out of inertia when they are successful in hitting the dollar metrics like it's a really tough conversation what have you seen or what have you done to to get them out of that inertia
1: absolutely well i think i mean in some cases you can't. And so, you know, those are ones where, you know, you may choose to not be at that organization any longer. Um, <laughs> no, but I think other ones that I think, I mean, you brought it up earlier, the, the idea of the pilot, which is we're not going to make fundamental changes. We're going to try some things. And so, again, you call A-B testing, you can call it, this is, let's communicate this way, let's communicate this way. Does that make changes? Does that uh, adjust things? And, and if it's some of it becomes, you know, the language and the, and the softening of, of how you, well, let's, you know, we're just going to try something. We're not going to, we're not going to change anything, but we're going to try something. And then you can go ahead and, and show how that can impact and move things forward. And I think that's, that's the way to do that is, is our job is not, you know, how do we accelerate that growth? It's not about. And, and again, depending on what the market's doing and, and how things are doing, is, is if we've got growth, how do we accelerate that growth? I mean, if you, as, as a leader, if that person is like, we're comfortable with the level of growth that we have, then there's probably some larger discussion points that need to happen <laughs> of whether that aligns with what you want to do and, and kind of right. the direction that you want to go. So,
0: yeah, no, I think it's a good approach. So, I want to pivot a little bit from the sales and marketing alignment conversation because I think you you also beyond you know starting in the sales business dev part of your career and transition to marketing also have a unique POV that I think would be interesting for for leaders listening is working within a multinational organization across borders, across languages. Very random question, but related to what you do. What are the biggest challenges in doing so? And what have you just learned in, from you know switching into this role and, and what have you done differently? Because I know there's probably other uh, leaders in your shoes that are dealing, you know, working across borders, and I can imagine it can be challenging.
1: I guess it's, it's, you know, from an honest perspective, I'm I'm pale and male, so you know my my experience with you know kind of other countries and and particularly in, you know we work in in Latin America, so Colombia, Ecuador, Mexico, the language and things. I mean, just working with and just the amazing people. The brilliant, amazing people that exist outside of the United States and, and, and some of it is, is just as a, an American, you get very insulated and you get very isolated in terms of, you know, Hey, we're, we're wonderful. We're the best. And you, it just, the more exposure that you have outside is that there's, there's brilliance and and amazing people and huge hearts everywhere. Um, you know, in the world. And so being able to do that. So while language is, can be a barrier. And, and so, you know, I've, I've said, I have to learn Spanish. All of these folks absolutely know English, learn English. There are, you know, nuances to, to the language that are, have to be learned and things like that. But, you know, I have to do a better job to learn Spanish and, and to continue to improve on that side of it. So that washes away. But I think, you know, as we, as we work, you know, kind of across the borders, uh, I think COVID had, had basically made it sense that it doesn't matter whether somebody's five miles away or 5,000 miles away. It doesn't matter in terms of the sure. people that you, that you're working with if there is a language challenge is, you know, how do we, how do we get through that? There's, you know, wonderful tools out there that allow you to kind of translate to do that. But, you know, for the, for the team that we're working with, you know, as we hire that English becomes a, a huge part of that. And so they have B2, C1 levels of English. And so it's okay. pretty much all of our meetings are that way. Uh, sometimes I, I like for them to have a meeting in Spanish so I can listen and, and see what I can learn from that. Um, if yeah. I need, Clarification on anything. I will do that. But it's like I said, it's, it's opened my eyes to realize that we can do this. And, and that's, you know, really from a a staffing and talent standpoint is that we, a lot of times, you know, if you've got a, a company that's based in Chicago, they're like, well, we want to hire Chicago people. The value of diversity of location, diversity of type of people, diversity of ideas becomes that much more important to the the kind of growth and strength and health of an organization and so yeah. uh, you know, you just realize that you now have a talent pool that's global you can train any business you can train the 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 kind of the operation of what's going on and it's it's being able to do you have good training in place to be able to get that person up to speed but you can find them anywhere so that's my evangelism there
0: <laughs> I no I love it I really wanted to talk about it before we closed out but you you did Spark uh, an idea in, in me when we talk about diversity. It means many, many different things and many different people. Mm-hmm. But just the idea of how COVID and, and this digital acceleration has given us access to regional diversity, right? And so, you know, if you are from a different part of the world, if you're from a different part of the country, your perspective and the nuances you understand are very, very different. And so I didn't really think about diversity in that way, but it is an opportunity, you know, in order for you to build out and have, you know, more points of view in the room and, and have a more kind of holistic approach or at least thoughts about how you approach customers because your customers are everywhere.
1: No, absolutely. And if, if I could jump one, one last thing, the, the idea of, yeah. of culture fit. Um, I know some of the organizations, they're like, oh, we want to hire somebody who will fit our culture. And basically, you're just homogenizing your your organization. Yeah, okay, well, we can go out and have a beer together and we'll have fun in that regard. But it's yeah. bringing that person on who's going to challenge you. You know, maybe that isn't the homogenous side of things. And you really bring in those those new ideas and, and again, perspectives. So whether that's... You race, gender, background, whatever it is, is, is that is you want to bring in those different thought processes because, again, the market that we're serving continues to diversify. Yep. You know, where you're, where you're sourcing from all of those kinds of things become. And so the more perspectives that you bring to the table, the better off it's going to be. I mean, it, it, there, there's a yeah. limit to that because then it just becomes we're creating exceptions for everything or, you know, on right. that, but still to kind of challenge those ideas that may not be the right direction to go, particularly from a strategy standpoint. Why are we going that? Well, it's always worked. Well, that doesn't mean that's the right answer. It just yeah, it works or it has
0: worked. One, one, one diversity demographic that, you know, we really don't have a choice about is that that's coming. If it's not already here, we're now having four generations within, w- w- under the same roof in the workplace. Correct. And that that is not a choice. That's just reality. So I think it's a conversation that I'm, I'm starting to hear more about. And again, you know, I don't necessarily work in the... The, the talent space, I stay in my lane, sales and marketing. But it, it, from a diversity standpoint, like you are going to have to think differently about how these different generations interact. I think there is a value in each one of them, mm-hmm. uh, especially as more and more millennials become a part of the buying group, which, you know, again, a lot of senior leaders. And I guess it depends on the industry. So let me be careful how I say this. But I think that they this has to be more top of mind. And that, yes, you are senior, you know, people in your organization have been there for for years, decades that have a ton of industry expertise and knowledge. But they've also got to partner with these younger employees and more junior folks to understand how best to serve up that information, how best to approach relationships. Because a millennial in a buying group thinks very differently and expects a very different interaction than someone that's a boomer. And so if you don't take that in consideration, like you're missing the mark. You just are. Uh, And I think that, you know, will continue to be an issue for the foreseeable future as we start to kind of like those generations start to kind of shift throughout the organization. So that's why I think it's so important that we we think about our approach to sales and marketing, not just from us from purely like a uh, we have to transform because of digital, but we also have to think differently about the mindset of our buyer and our buyers getting, quote unquote, younger. Uh, it's just a different generation and the way that they see the world's
1: different. No doubt. And the thing, I think a lot of discussions about that sort of, you know, age diversity is why you're different from me. And so then it becomes almost adversarial. And so I don't like All boomers. And again, this becomes that sort of discriminatory thought process is no, this person has so much tribal knowledge. How do we capture that? How do we, how do we work with that? And then this, this younger person has this whole new perspective and this command of, you know, technology or command of, and again, even by saying that, I'm, I'm bucketing things. And so (laughs) I apologize for that, but still it's, it's to like, you know, we're people. And if you look at it some people first, it's like, how can I help you? How can you help me? And it becomes a, a collaborative environment or togetherness in, in that sense.
0: Yeah. I, I love the word, the use of the word togetherness, of course. But no, you make a good point about like that tribal knowledge, that the historical context that someone that's you know, older is going to have. And again, like I agree with you, we have to be careful about like not overgeneralizing. Um, but I think it's about pulling out the unique aspects of those in an organization based on where they are in their tenure, or where they come from, their background, and then having them contribute that unique perspective to the organization versus to silo them and saying like, oh, you're a junior employee, blah, 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 blah. So I think that's I think that's the spirit of what we're trying to.
1: We're oh, trying yeah, to no, exactly. Yeah. Sharing. How do we share this, your knowledge and your expertise to raise both up?
0: Yep. So any final thoughts for those marketing leaders that are well, sales leaders too? Let's not, be dis- let's not be discriminatory. All revenue leaders, all revenue any leaders. final thoughts around, and let's say specifically in, in, in trucking logistics about they want to work together in a different way. They potentially have a dysfunctional relationship between sales and marketing. Where should they start in moving the needle? What, how do they start that conversation to, to do it differently and do it better?
1: First and foremost is to, is to really say, you know, wh- where do we meet? And what are we both trying to accomplish? And then if you can kind of sit down and have that conversation of like, these are things we're trying to accomplish. And there are, there are activities that are disconnected and those are going to happen, but let's find that commonality of it and be, begin to build a plan and a strategy and approach and a go to market plan based on that commonality. And I think that's, that's kind of the direction that goes. And whether you tie KPIs to that, whether you tie incentives to that, how do we, let's, let's do that. So we're, rowing in the same direction as opposed to marketing serves sales or you know sales as an extension of marketing you know you shouldn't look at it that way is that these are two integrated forces reaching a particular goal
0: yeah i love that that's a good way to close so, Mr. Golovson, how can people find you on social or how can they stalk you and learn more about you and what you do?
1: So on that, um, you can uh, find me, of course, on LinkedIn. You can find me, uh, I, I can give out I can give out my cell phone number on something like that. If that's it okay. is all about what you want to do. Yeah, no, that's fine. Uh, it's, but, uh, don't, but
0: don't say Jeff Davis forced you to do
1: it. No, 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 not at all. So no, no. <laughs> cell phone 618-302-7790. Email address G U uh, at gohubtech.com. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. I, I'm Drew Gullove on Facebook. Pretty sure I'm at Drew Gullove on Instagram as well. I don't spend a whole lot of time on that, other than to support what we do as an organization. On that, I get stuck down those rabbit holes really easily, so I try, <laughs> I try to stay off of uh, of some of those. <laughs> Even on LinkedIn, you can, you can get down there. Um, yeah, it could be addictive. But uh, no, appreciate it, uh, Jeff. It's it's always wonderful to, to speak with you and and to and, and I appreciate the invitation to 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 be on the show. Absolutely. I I love it. I I would agree with
0: the mutual mutual feeling. So congrats on the CMO program at Northwestern. It's a great school, even though I went down the street, but we're not going to talk about that. So next time you're in Chicago, let me know. I will definitely uh, we'll, we'll grab a drink or coffee or something to catch up. But uh, hopefully for those listening to the show, this was helpful. I think Andrew brings a, a really unique perspective as someone that's been a sales leader, a business dev leader and a marketing leader now within transportation Logistics. So if you specifically are in the industry uh, and are looking to do things differently, do, do things better, I, I encourage you to reach out to him. And even if you're not in the industry, I think you can take some nuggets from them and hopefully apply them to your business. So with that said, thank you so much, Andrew, again, for joining the podcast. And that's it for this episode. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Rev Engine podcast. I hope today's episode provided you with some actionable insights that will help you begin the process of transforming your organization to a high performing revenue engine. If you found today's episode valuable, we ask that you support the show's growth in three ways. First, share the episode with your friends and colleagues. Second, follow me on social media at MeetJeffDavis on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. And finally, give us feedback on who you'd like to see on the show next. That's all for this episode. We look forward to having you join us next time where we continue the conversation on how to build a high-performing revenue engine.